The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. America welcomes you to Stars of PR with Cindy R. Now, here's the host and CEO of BR Public Relations, Cindy Rakowitz. Good morning, everybody, on this June Gloom LA Day. Um, today, I have a guest that is an expert in healthcare, and his name is Brian Sullivan. Welcome, Brian. Thank you, Cindy. It's so good of you to go to your office and get to a landline. Uh, no worries. I'm typically here by this hour anyway. Yeah, yeah, you would be. You're that A kind of type work personality. But, you know, it's funny when I tell people to be on a landline, they think they could get away with it because they think that they have great IP devices. <laughs> and then they're really sorry because they just kind of wasted an hour of their time because it sounds horrible. Yeah, well, we have this uh, interesting phenomenon in L.A. known as traffic. It usually uh, encourages the, the smart to get out early. I think that's well said. Well, listen, Brian, we have a lot to cover today, and I. But first, I want to talk a little bit about networking and networking groups because that's how we met. And I really have to introduce you to my listeners by paying you a pretty high compliment, and that is this: you are one of those people, Brian, that know how to be an expert in your business without hard selling. And that's why people are going to seek you out, and that's why when people really need to be advised in insurance issues, they're going to come to you because you are not that guy that you go to breakfast with and he forces a, a, you know, an MJ Wolf kit into your hands to review. <laughs> well, thank you. I, I appreciate that compliment. I mean, Coming from you, I take that uh, great deal of esteem. Well, we look at, you know, because I think all of us improvisers, which is our professional networking group and one that I'm really proud to be affiliated with um, as a group where we're supposed to honor each other's areas of expertise and make referrals where possible. And one of my pet peeves about um, a few people in the organization, and this is not, you know, talking badly about the organization because you're going to always have, you know, a bad egg or two, is that they really try to get past the bylaws and the guidelines, and they really try to hard sell you. Yeah. And, that, and that, frankly, you know, is insulting. Yeah, it's, it's unfortunate. But, fortu- but fortunately, there's very few. The, uh, you know, in my experience with the group, you've got 1,200 uh, very highly qualified professionals in a, a wide array of arenas who are clearly experts in their fields. And the, the basis of provisors is not about passing leads or anything else. It's about becoming a resource for your friends and your clients and your colleagues so that if, uh, if I know I've got a, uh, a friend, a colleague, a, a past associate who needs help with PR, I, guess, I, I mean, I know where to go. And I feel the same way when it comes to anything that has to do with health care issues. And, you know, talking about health care issues, let's talk about your background because, 
you're one of the, you know, you really are one of the preeminent people that can really give my listeners an analysis of, you know, what's going on, particularly with healthcare being the top of our president's agenda right now um, and kind of the stinky economy combined. But, you know, you, you are with MJ Wolf now. Um, you know, you are an expert in the field, but talk about the healthcare background that you have. Sure. Um, well, I got back into private practice a little over a year ago after spending about 15 years on the corporate side with a uh, couple of little companies that uh, folks may have heard of, uh, uh, actually three, three of the largest health plans in the country, uh, WellPoint, which operates in California under the banner of Anthem Blue Cross, uh, United Health, and Humana. Um, over that span, I spent uh, uh, time in, I think I've lived in, this is now the sixth state I've lived in, so I, I played the corporate travel hopper of uh, uh, moving all over the place when, uh, when asked, uh, and really looking at healthcare and healthcare financing on a macro level. So you're looking at it from a, a big numbers. Blue Cross California, as an example, has over 8 million members. So when you're looking at uh, issues and trends and topics, uh, they tend to be something that bubbles up to the very top level. Uh, when I got out of uh, the corporate world and got back into private practice, my focus really went from the macro to the micro. So it's, uh, you know, I'm much more concerned now. Um, while I have great concerns and, and I keep my feelers in for what's happening on a national, uh, state, and local level, uh, on a day-to-day basis, I'm, my concern is the business owner who I'm sitting across the table from. Uh, his group of 20 or 40 or 200 employees, uh, their needs for themselves and their families in terms of how to finance healthcare and healthcare delivery. So it's, uh, you know, my, my background really goes from the macro to the micro as opposed to the inverse. Right. No, and I think, but how can you do the micro well without really knowing the macro? <laughs> uh, well, a lot of people do it. Um, it's just uh, the background has kind of given me a, a slightly different perspective on, on, um, uh, how I think I can serve people better. Yeah, no, I, I think that's that's probably true and well said. Um, well, let's. I'm going to ask you a couple of questions, and the first one is, how did we get into the mess that we are in in the first place? Uh, okay, well, this is this is kind of macro and micro. I'll give you a little bit of uh, history without going too far back, um, and that is, if you think of health insurance, it's really the financing of healthcare delivery. Uh, oftentimes you're going to hear people, particularly in Washington, Sacramento, when they're uh, talking about our health care system, they will interchange the, na- the, the words health care and health insurance as if they're the same thing, and they're really not. Um, insurance in the old days, and the old days wasn't that long ago, frankly, was something that you, you bought and you hoped you never had to use. So if you think about it from the standpoint of your homeowner's coverage, your auto coverage, you know, if you've got liability coverage for your, your business, it's one of those things that you buy to protect yourself in the event that something bad happens. Well, somewhere around the 1990s, we sort of evolved, and insurance as it relates to health care and health care financing turned into something where now people want to get their money's worth out of it. So it totally changed the dynamic of what happened, um, and we created this, this, uh, this, this phenomenon that we call managed care. Uh, and I would continue that probably the worst thing we ever did as a, um, uh, as a, as a system was the introduction of managed care in the $10 copay. Uh, if you study the laws of supply and demand and, uh, and the basic concepts of economics, uh, 
Uh, it'll tell you that when cost is low or non-existent, overconsumption always, always, always occurs. Uh, and unfortunately, what happened in the 90s and the, and, the, and the decades ensuing that, we put the incentives in the wrong place. Um, you know, managed care was intended to be the savior back in the, in the 1990s, and, and we had this bright idea that we were going to put the, the controls in the hands of the doctors and the health plans to manage the health care costs, and uh, candidly, that hasn't worked. In fact, the inverse is true. It's actually sort of spun a little bit out of control. And then you have uh, oh, a number of things that, uh, that come into play that uh, really sort of focus on this, this whole idea of, of, of what drives this whole thing. And that is, if, if you look back to uh, at the time the Social Security bill was passed in the 1930s, the average life expectancy was, was in the mid-40s. Um, on average, the reason why we arrived at 65 to fund Social Security was that uh, 8% of our population lived to the age of 65, and on average only made it about two years after that. All right, so that's kind of, an, it's kind of an alarming statistic. A lot of people at large wouldn't even think about, you know, how many people lived to be over 40 in what year did you say, 1918? Well, in, when Social Security was passed, that was in the uh, 1930s, but if you went... If you went back to the turn of the century, the average life expectancy of America, Americans was 45. That's, uh, really, that's your, really kind of profound, isn't it? Oh, it's, it's, <laughs> if, if you look at it, what's, what's really dramatic, if you went back about 100 or so years before that, average life expectancy for people in the world was 35, which is what it was forever. Going, you know, gerontologists will tell you that you know, for thousands and thousands of years, now that didn't mean that people hit their 35th birthday and killed over and died, but you had women dying at childbirth, kids died at childbirth. The things that killed us have largely been wiped off the face of the earth, all the plagues, polio, etc. You know, the introduction of vaccines and refrigeration has totally changed what's, uh, what we're looking at. And if, if you think of the last couple hundred years as a small blip, uh, we've more than doubled the life expectancy of the people and the population of the world, and that's dramatic. No, it, it's very dramatic. Well, it's a key point in terms of, you know, cost increases, et cetera. In fact, I was going to ask you, you know, the main drivers of health care cost increases. And <laughs> obviously, <laughs> the you know, the aging American is a driver. <laughs> uh, huge driver, huge driver. The, uh, uh, we spend, our, our health care delivery system is a $2.4 trillion expense, single largest component of the U.S. economy. It's enormous. Uh, and if you look at that number, uh, a trillion of that is spent in an individual's last six months of their life. Um, so we, we as a society, frankly, are going to have some pretty tough questions to ask ourselves in terms of where the cuts are going to be made. Um, and, and the other things that we look at is, you know, when we complain about the, the cost of the health care system and the financing of that, uh, we, we sometimes miss the point that premature babies used to just die. Uh, but now it's, it's fairly common for kids. People Magazine runs articles on six kids who were born under two pounds and now are 20 years into their lives and are happy, productive members of our society. Well, there's a price to that. I mean, those are million-dollar babies. It, you it, think? <laughs> yeah, it's, it, it's, it's not cheap. But there, you know, these are questions that we have to pose ourselves and say, are we willing to cut that off? Are we willing to pull the plug? And uh, that is... You know that that's often a thing that uh, that kind of gets missed in the in the um, 
discussion, but the, the drivers really entail around a lot of things. Uh, you know, again, when you're 13, 14% of the nation's GDP, you've got a lot of interested parties, but you've got uh, technology, innovation, new drugs. Um, it, ultimately, I would tell you, though, that, um, uh, well, one other thing that uh, comes into play is our, our friends in Sacramento and Washington, and frankly, all of the state capitals across the country, uh, we pass on average more mandates for additional coverage um, in healthcare than we do in anything else. So, for instance, uh, going back to the first notable uh, mandate that was put in place in 1977 was a requirement that group health plans cover maternity as any other illness. Uh, and that seems like it's just, uh, you know, well, of course we would do that. But back in 1977, that was a very debatable topic. Uh, and every year, more and more issues come into play that are required to be covered under insurance plans and health plans uh, and HMOs. And while they may be they may be valuable, they may be well-meaning. Uh, ultimately, it adds price tag to the, to the bill price. we pay. It adds a price. Well, listen, we are at the last minute of our first segment, Brian. So, if you had any concerns about what you're going to talk about for a full hour. You've only got, you know, a few segments left, so I hope you're feeling confident that you could fill the space because you're certainly doing a terrific job. Well, thanks. There's always baseball if all else fails. <laughs> there's baseball, there's your family, there's swimming. I, I know. There... <laughs> we could always fill the hour together, Brian. That's not a problem. Well, listen, everybody, stand by. We'll be back with more about health care, both the macro and the micro, with Brian Sullivan from MJ Wolf in just a second. Stand by. Your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com. Movie premieres, TV specials, radio shows, film festivals, restaurant openings, fashion shows, charity events, product launches, parties, media training. At VR Public Relations, we do everything except make empty promises. Grand openings, crisis management, speaking engagements, television, movies, radio shows. VR Public Relations gets the job done, whether it's an intimate party or a huge film festival. In fact, you've probably seen our work in the New York Times, on the evening news, CNN, and the morning shows. Now, it's time for us to assist you. Turn saleability into profitability with the help of VR Public Relations. Visit us online at www.vrpublicrelations.com or call 1-818-783-3307. Movie premieres, charity events, TV specials, radio shows. VR Public Relations. We do it all. www.vrpublicrelations.com. Owen Hodge Show. Are you ready for some football? Well, here it comes. The Owen Hodge Show is bringing you the funniest hour in sports talk radio. This action-packed show is hosted by the outspoken fullback, Big Hodge, and the knowledgeable defensive back, Odie. This show will focus on the NFL, but touch on all things sports. Owen Hodge will provide you with a true player's perspective that'll give you insight, make you think, and definitely make you laugh. Owen Hodge have accumulated six championship rings, so obviously they know things. Check out the Owen Hodge Show at noon Pacific, 3 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Sports Network. Owen Hodge Show. 
Is there truly a lesson in every situation? Can you learn from another person's experiences or are lessons learned when they only happen to you? Dave Felzer, number one national and number one international best-selling author, challenges listeners to stand tall, to be accountable no matter what the setbacks, and to recommit to enhancing their lives as well as assisting others around them. Listen to The Dave Felzer Show every Friday at 10 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Radio Network. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain inspired really fast. All the time. The number one Internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com Welcome back to Stars of PR with Cindy R. If you have a question or comment, call in at 1-866-472-5788. Now, back to the show. Here's Cindy Rakowitz. We're back, and we're talking about a very relevant issue with Brian Sullivan, MJ Wolf, insurance agents. And um, we're talking about health care. And, Brian, you certainly are fascinating. You're kind of like a walking statistician. Um, and that's what you really have to be in insurance, am I correct? Well, it's, uh, you know, numbers certainly tell a, uh, tell the story, but it, uh, it doesn't tell everything. It kind of gives a background. Uh, you, you know, Cindy, there's one other thing from our previous discussion. If I could circle of back course. for a second. You could circle back throughout the whole hour. There's, uh, you know, the one phenomenon that I think drives this whole thing more than anything else is that, you know, again, if you look at the law of supply and demand, um, and the whole concept of overconsumption, I, I would kind of liken the way where we manage our system to um, um, groceries. If someone gave you um, a shopping cart and said, okay, when you walk into the grocery store, you're going to pay us $20 or $10 or $40 and go forth and pick up whatever you want. So you go through the aisles and you pick up all the, the food that, that you need, but you also pick up things that you don't necessarily need. Uh, and you're certainly not shopping for the best values and the things that work best for you. And that's really what we've done with our system is that people are spending other people's money. And, uh, you know, you can make a case and say that, well, gee, with health care it's different. Well, you know, health care is necessary, but so is food, so is lodging. Ultimately, I would make a case that the reason why our system is as out of control as it has gotten over the course of the last decade and a half to two decades is that we've taken the law of supply and demand out of the equation. Sure. No, I think that's probably true. I think a lot of people just took, for gran- took it for granted that, you know, if there's, if there's something wrong, it's going to somehow be paid for. Well, uh, the former chairman and CEO for WellPoint, my old boss, uh, Leonard Schaefer, who I thought was a true visionary in this, uh, in this field, he said, in America, we want really three things. We want to look good, we want to feel good, and we want to live forever. And the Sullivan corollary to the Schaefer axiom is that we also want someone else to pay for it. Right. No, exactly right. So, you know, where does the money come from? Yeah. You know, okay, so when we get into where does the money come from, and this goes back again to, you know, macro and micro levels, what's highly publicized right now is what what Obama is trying to sell in healthcare. So why don't we talk about what President Obama is trying to sell? It seems to me in the way that it's portrayed in the press that, you know, he's trying to get people to buy into more of a government type package rather than a private. Am I correct? Um, you know, I'm not sure that's exactly correct. He's uh, 
in the uh, uh, during the campaign, uh, you know, <laughs> people say different things during the campaign than actually come true in, in uh, once they're elected. But uh, this is a direct quote from May 29, 2007. Today I want to lay out the details of that plan, a plan that not only guarantees coverage for every American, but also brings down the cost of health care and reduces every family's premium by as much as $2,500. Now, um, pragmatics will tell you if you're looking at a system, we've got roughly 300 million people in America, and somewhere between 45 and 47 people are outside the roles of the insured ranks. If you put those people in the system, there's really no way that you can do it and cut the cost. The economics just don't play out. Um, what I do think the president is doing, however, is laying out a broad set of principles, which are pretty tough to argue. Uh, there's eight of them, and uh, you can find them on his his uh, website, Obama's uh, website. Uh, and I'll, I'll just rattle through them very quickly. It's protecting families' financial health, number one, making health coverage affordable, number two, aim for universality, number three, provide Portability of coverage, number four. Guaranteeing choice, number five. Investing in prevention and wellness, six. And improving patient safety and quality of care, seven. And lastly, maintaining long-term fiscal sustainability. You look at those eight principles, and they're pretty broad. It would be pretty tough to pin a label of being left-leaning or right-leaning on any one of them. They would fit virtually any um, result and, and solution that would come out of uh, D.C. Um, so candidly, from a political standpoint, this, this is brilliant because you can lay out these principles and whatever comes out of uh, Congress in both houses and once it passes into some sort of law, uh, you can clearly raise a, raise a flag and, and declare victory. Um, what the president has done, which I think, you know, from my standpoint, I, I think is a, a much smarter political uh, battle than what uh, one of his predecessors did in the early 90s, is that rather than coming up with his own plan and trying to cram it through both houses, he's simply putting the onus on on uh, the Senate and the House to come up with what they see as a solution as long as it meets those eight basic criteria. Um, so a lot of the things that are going to get talked about um, are going to sound very much left-leaning. You're going to see things that will come across that will... Uh, make it look like more of a government-run system. Uh, clearly, I think you're going to see a lot of um, diatribes and a lot of uh, positioning and uh, people shouting from the rooftops on both sides of the argument. Um, and the reality is what will probably come out at the end of the day, you know, legislation is like sausage-making. Uh, you really don't like – you don't want to be watching it while it's being made, but at the end of the day it's usually pretty, uh, uh, pretty consumable. Uh, we'll probably end up with something somewhere in the middle. Oh well, yeah, and it, you know, so it's it's really astute politics rather than what's going to end up practically, right? Um, and you know, I I think that's an important part of healthcare is you know trying to find a way to um, accommodate people in different economic brackets, right? It is, and uh, and, and in fact, it's uh, it's kind of interesting because. Um, when when people talk about health care reform, there's actually a, the percentage of the population that are crying out for health care reform is actually smaller than it was in the 90s when um, the Clinton campaign was coming about. 
Uh, and when it gets really tested, and the Kaiser Family Foundation uh, did a survey on this, they had, uh, uh, they asked people what percent, you know, what percent of the population would like to see some um, uh, some kind of change to the system that would you know, maybe look similar to Medicare. You've got nearly two thirds of the population say, "Sure, that'd be great." When when they're then pressed and told that that's going to move us more toward a government uh, run system, which it would, the the support drops to about forty percent, and when it, uh, um, when then forced to say it puts them in, puts the government in an unfair position over the private plans, uh, which many people are covered under, then the the uh, support drops to less than a third. Well, let me. I'm going to throw a you know a wild card question out there. You're talking very astutely again about statistics and economics when it comes to healthcare, and you know at the end of the day, who's going to end up paying for it, but how about no, the no patient turned away um, hypothesis? I mean, isn't it, don't you, do you agree, and this doesn't have to be personally, it, it could be professionally, um, that nobody should be really turned away from emergency care? Uh, well, the fact of the matter is that that's, that happens today. That's in existence today. Um, now, you could argue that um, emergency care or, or care and treatment at the emergency rooms uh, is not always the most appropriate setting uh, for the type of health care delivery that's, that's passed on to people, and you'd be very accurate in saying that. Uh, however, in this country, no one gets turned away for medical care. If you need treatment for something, you go to the emergency room of the local hospital, um, and the, the hospital is required to give it. Right, and even if you can't pay it, they're still required to give it. Right? Absolutely. They could bill you until the cows come home, but they still have to take care of you no matter what. Right. The element may be, right? Yeah, and when you go back to that, the axiom I said before, I mean, it, it was, this is, a, it's not a quote, but it's pretty darn close because we've heard it from numerous politicians. 45 million people in America are uninsured. It's a shame that we can't provide health care for those people. Well, that's, those are two different things, and it's an inaccurate statement because uh, people don't get turned away. Is it the most appropriate setting for the delivery of their health care? Not necessarily. Uh, but in this country, the reality is, Everybody will get some type of health care delivery if they ultimately need it. Um, there are some actuaries who would argue, the actuaries are the people that set the whole pricing system for the, for the premiums. If you took the 45 million people and you actually put them in the insurance system, then the cost of the delivery of health care would really not rise because they're getting services already today. Uh, but what's happening is that they're getting them and someone else is paying for it. Right, right. Well, somebody has to pay for it. I mean, well, ultimately they do, and uh, you know this is—it's a system that's hap- It's been in place for decades. I mean, um, this is not a new phenomenon. If if someone is sick or ill or injured, they go to the emergency room. Hospitals required to treat them. Well, the hospitals—you know—they have tax breaks for uncompensated care, but that doesn't cover it all. Uh, there's a phenomenon known as cost shifting. So, for the the services that are rendered but not paid for. Uh, someone has to do it, so that cost gets shifted to those who are the private payers. The same holds true, by the way, with uh, Medicare and Medicaid services, uh, because oftentimes reimbursement for those is less than the actual cost of the service. Right. Well, I guess the good news is is that there is really care for everybody if you want to look at it from an ethical standpoint. Even though healthcare is a business and somebody has to pay for services, you know, at the end of the day, for a person that doesn't want to calculate these things. 
you know, there really is care available for everyone. So, there is. There is. Yeah. And it's, um, but it's like anything else. It, uh, if you went to the local uh, 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 free clinics in downtown L.A. or you went to the emergency room at uh, the various hospitals, uh, you know, general public would not want to have their health care delivered in that way. But the reality is it's like many other things. They wouldn't necessarily want to live in the same housing, nor would they want to uh, have the same diet or, or a grocery bill. Um, well, listen, we're at the end of our second segment, so okay. we have to go back to that trustee commercial break. But I think, again, you're giving us a plethora of very, very useful information. And in the next couple of segments, we'll talk a little bit more about your business, Brian. We'll talk about business owners and individuals on a micro level and, um, you know, um, how one can manage healthcare expenses. So Great. I look forward to having you back. Everybody stand by for more on healthcare with Brian Sullivan. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your questions. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. Movie premieres, TV specials, radio shows, film festivals, restaurant openings, fashion shows, charity events, product launches, parties, media training. At VR Public Relations, we do everything except make empty promises. Grand openings, crisis management, speaking engagements, television, movies, radio shows. VR Public Relations gets the job done, whether it's an intimate party or a huge film festival. In fact, you've probably seen our work in the New York Times, on the evening news, CNN, and the morning shows. Now, it's time for us to assist you. Turn Saleability into profitability with the help of VR Public Relations. Visit us online at www.vrpublicrelations.com or call 1-818-783-3307. Movie premieres, charity events, TV specials, radio shows. VR Public Relations. We do it all. www.vrpublicrelations.com. Are you a real sports fan? Get ready to talk football and anything else sports with Kwame Lasseter, formerly with the Arizona Cardinals, San Diego Chargers, and St. Louis Rams. Kwame's got the experience, so he's prepared to talk sports with you every week on Kwame Lasseter's Sports Talk. It's on the Voice America Sports Network every Tuesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, noon Eastern Time. Get ready for unpredictable fun and sometimes a sarcastic look at the world of sports. That's Kwame Lasseter's Sports Talk on the Voice America Sports Network. If you've tried everything on the market and can't seem to get the radiant results you want from your skincare routine, it's time you stop shopping and start listening. Skin Health Today will help you take charge and start making smart choices for a lifetime of radiant skin and positive self-image. Join host Celeste Hilling and her esteemed panel of experts every Wednesday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern Time for Skin Health Today on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Streaming live the leader in internet talk radio voiceamerica.com get 
free advice from crisis communications guru Cindy Rakowitz now. Call 866-472-5788. Let's get back to Stars of PR. Here's the host and CEO of BR Public Relations, Cindy Rakowitz. And Brian Sullivan, you are certainly a star of PR, at least in the healthcare industry, but I think you're much more of a star than that. You certainly know your statistics and facts. By the way, if anybody has any comments, you could tweet me at, at Krakowitz, just like it sounds, and we will relay your comments and questions to Brian should you be a, should you be a tweeter. Brian, are you a tweeter yet? Well, I have to confess, I am, uh, I have, Logged on, I set it up, but I have not done my first tweet. Okay, well, so here's my advice to you. Yes. I, you know, when you set up your username, I would find something like, for industry purposes, um, Healthcare Pro or Healthcare TV or something like that. So, therefore, you really become sort of an expert icon in Twitterland for anything that, you know, pertains to that industry. So they won't really know you as Brian Sullivan until they start communicating with you. But you become sort of a little micro-channel or you know how cable used to proliferate and there's a special channel for everything? Twitter has made that into, you know, one one millionth of a possibility for a person to become a little specialty TV station. (laughs) Great free advice. Most people have to spend thousands of dollars for that. Well, there you go. Exactly right. But you know that I'm an evangelist because you've watched me in my social media coaching and I think that um, you have so much to say that, you know, you could just spit out advice and statistics and, you know, say things in 140 characters. Did you know that at the turn of the century, no, you know, most people didn't learn, live to be over 40? I know I'm exaggerating, but um, these are little um, fun facts, and I think it can have a mouth-opening effect for people who really don't know or people that are so demanding in what they think that health care should pay for, Right. <laughs> Well, it's, uh, you know, like I said earlier, it is a very involved industry. And, uh, you know, there, there's a comment I make about the political system, and, and you, you hear a lot of talk, uh, Washington, Sacramento, about special interest in it, uh, and you put the quotes around it like it's, uh, like it's a bad thing. Uh, but the reality is the way our political system works is once every two to four years or six years, we elect people and we put them into uh, the state or the federal capital and we say, go do the work. Well, these people, they have to be experts, ultimately, on a lot of different topics. I mean, I spent the last nearly 30 years just in this one field, and I've you know, barely scratched the surface of uh, uh, developing an understanding of how this system works. But these folks are required to understand everything, defense, agriculture, education, on and on. And so I, I have great deals of sympathy for the people that are put in that position. And ultimately, where they have to get their information are from these special interest groups. And the special interest groups could be uh, not only unions and teacher groups, uh, children's funds, health care organizations, I mean, you name it. I mean, these are typically well-meaning organizations that are trying to impact uh, beneficial change uh, for their constituents. Uh, and, it's, and it's hard to look at and say, boy, that's, you know, how could you argue against it? But they literally fall into the category of special interests. So when you, when you look at the whole sausage-making process of, of politics, 
I think we have to understand that, uh, you know, again, get the demagoguing out of there and just get some reasonable and rational people in the middle and let's say, really, can we find some common ground on this? And that's that's really what it's all about. I think that's true. Well, speaking about common ground, let's talk about what you have to do for a living, and that is finding the best practical, affordable health care for, you know, for your clients right. and, you know, how you best present and measure the best plan for an individual. Well, it... Uh, um... Uh, we're all different, unique individuals. There's uh, 100,000 uh, small businesses, state of California, and we we represent uh, small businesses, mid-sized, large businesses, anywhere from two to several thousand, uh, and everything in between. Uh, and they are all unique and different. There is not a one-size-fits-all approach for everybody. Uh, there are, however, some innovative programs and solutions uh, that I think are oftentimes ignored, and when we bring them up with folks, um, they certainly spark some conversation and discussion uh, and typically will end up being a a pretty good consideration for a way for a business and their covered families to to finance their own health care on a micro level. Um, I, I would... I would give a couple of points of recommendations, first of all, and, and that is that, uh, again, if you get down to the whole basics of this, uh, we're, we're all about the financing of, of health care in America. That's, that's what we do. And if you look at that as kind of two components, the first of which is how do you manage health care and then how do you pay for it. And I would start on the first one without being too much of a, of a demagogue myself, and that is when it comes to managing your own health care, I'd say we, we all need to take some personal responsibility for managing our own health. Uh, so whether that's uh, kickboxing, as someone I know has mm-hmm. a great passion for, or uh, running, walking, just something to get up away from the desk in the middle of the day or at the end of the day or before you start your day uh, and move. Um, we have a, an obesity epidemic in this country, which is feeding no pun intended, a, uh, another epidemic that I don't think we've even scratched that surface of, and that is diabetes. Um, so the more, while we have done just a marvelous job as a healthcare delivery system in fixing and curing and treating all of these conditions that have killed us and caused us pain and suffering over the last thousands and thousands of years, we're finding new ways to kill and hurt ourselves. So... I would say the first step toward this whole financing is for all of us to take some responsibility in managing our own health and that of our children and our families. Um, and as employers, we're a small business, we're a small employer. Um, I think small businesses should and could take a responsibility for the health and well-being of their of their employees as well. I think that's very true. Now, you know, there's a concept of just like you have preventative dentistry, you know, there's. I'm sure that there's preventative, you know, plans for people if they're encouraged to be healthy and kickbox or swim or run and, you know, keep their weight <laughs> where it should be. I'm sure that there are significant discounts. Um, there's some, but it's uh, unfortunately it is not a. Uh, uh, it's not a an exact science. Uh, the whole concept of wellness and prevention. Now, prevention um, has really caught on full steam. Uh, uh, 20 years ago, it was not. Most insurance companies did not pay for preventive exams, uh, and that is, 
is pretty much gone. So virtually every health plan in California, for sure, and in most parts of the country, will pay for in full, no cost to the insured, um, you know, a full medical exam. So for the woman, the mammography, the paps, et cetera, for the men, the full, the full physical, and um, uh, generally encourage them to do so. Unfortunately, most people don't do it. You've got uh, barely a little over a third of the male population. Is that well, really true? Yeah. Even in, even with women where, you know, the mammogram becomes, you know, so highly publicized in terms of prevention, I mean, are the numbers that low? Uh, well, for women it's actually much higher. Uh, men, men are more of a problem. Um, right. You know, one could make a case, I think, successfully that the stronger gender is a little wiser when it comes to that. Part of it may have to do with um, uh, education which is continuing, and I give great kudos to the healthcare community for um, uh, bringing these issues to light. Uh, but it is also a matter of economics. I mean, what we see is those at the, uh, the, the middle and upper end of the strata tend to do it more frequently and more religiously than those that are a little further down the uh, economic chain. Um, but uh, general wellness, uh, uh, health club, discount health clubs, um, you know, vitamins, uh, weight loss programs, smoking cessation programs. Most large businesses will will dapple with that a little bit. Uh, it, it's not very prevalent in the small business world. Uh, but my encouragement that we give to our clients and certainly to uh, anyone that will listen is uh, take take at least a little dose of that uh, and try to at least encourage employees to get up in the middle of the day and just go take a walk. Um, you know, don't just drive through the local McDonald's to pick up a Happy Meal, but uh, take a walk to the deli and get a salad or something. Um, it's it's difficult when you're running a small business. It's uh, you know it's a challenge because your your um, uh, your primary responsibility as a business owner is to remain in business. Your primary responsibility, and candidly, and uh, when we look at this this economic uh, recession that we're in right now. Uh, the recovery is going to fall on the shoulders of the small business uh, community. Uh, that's where the new jobs get created. Uh, that's where the value begins to get driven uh, in our system, uh, and then it just kind of carries from there. So the, the small business responsibility is, frankly, a broad one. Uh, so it's, it's tough to ask a business owner to take on more and more responsibility, uh, but I think we're seeing some of the more progressive health plans are creating systems by which it makes it easier for them to do it. Um, and I would give a shout out to uh, Kaiser. Uh, Kaiser Permanente is a uh, it's an HMO. It's a health plan uh, that's based in Oakland. They operate all over California, for the most part in California, and several other states. Um, and they are probably ahead of most of the other health plans in pushing this whole concept of wellness and well-being. Uh, and I think I think more picking up the uh, the steam on that one. Oh yeah, well, it's encouraging. You would say, you know, you would think that if a person you, you want to talk statistics, if a person takes better care of themselves statistically, they're probably gonna need less money in terms of you know insurance, <laughs> you know, coverage, right? I mean, and you know, in terms of what an insurance um, business will have to pay out if a person's healthier in the long term, right? Yeah, there's, I mean, there are there are preventive. There are preventable issues, and then there are those that are genetic, and they're just uh, sort of baked into our DNA. Yeah, that's uh, true. Well, listen, we're at the end of our third segment, but you have one more segment left, and that's where we could wrap up. You'll have a, you know, a good ten minutes to kind of pull everything together, and you know, talk a little bit more about 
you know, it, advice that you would give to someone who is seeking, you know, how to better manage their health care expenses. And we'll do that right after this segment. And, again, I want to thank Brian Sullivan from MJ Wolf, um, who is a magnificent health care expert. Stand by for more in the next segment. Talk, talk, talk. That's all we do is talk. If you'd like to talk, call us toll-free right now at 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. That's it. That's it. VoiceAmerica.com. Movie premieres, TV specials, radio shows, film festivals, restaurant openings, fashion shows, charity events, product launches, parties, media training. At VR Public Relations, we do everything except make empty promises. Grand openings, crisis management, speaking engagements, television, movies, radio shows. VR Public Relations gets the job done, whether it's an intimate party or a huge film festival. In fact, you've probably seen our work in the New York Times, on the evening news, CNN, and the morning shows. Now, it's time for us to assist you. Turn saleability into profitability with the help of VR Public Relations. Visit us online at www.vrpublicrelations.com or call 1-818-783-3307. Movie premieres, charity events, TV specials, radio shows. VR Public Relations. We do it all. www.vrpublicrelations.com we some hard hitters. we some hard hitters. Hard-hitting radio is a new kind of sports and entertainment show. Your hosts are NFL veterans Mark McMillan and co-host Byron Evans. It's an hour of hater-free radio every week. You'll hear interviews with top athletes, celebrities, coaches, and fans. It's humor, hits, and conversation. Hard-hitting radio is on with McMillan and Evans. Listen Fridays at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Network. Are you ready to go green? You've asked and we've heard you. Voice America presents the Green Talk Network. Environmental topics are at the forefront of our society, and the Green Talk Network is here to keep you up to date on the latest trends and new innovations for the eco-conscious lifestyle. We'll help promote a variety of ideas on the environment, from global warming issues to how you can become more eco-friendly in your daily activities. Be a part of the solution, not the problem. Visit the Green Talk Network page on voiceamerica.com and tune in to help spread the green. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com Cindy Rakowitz has won more awards than she can hang on her wall, including three Clios. Call in now at 1-866-472-5788 and you can have one. Okay, maybe not. But she will answer your questions. Back to Stars of PR with Cindy R. We're in our final segment with Brian Sullivan, a really loaded show about healthcare statistics. And Brian is a healthcare expert. And if you are considering how to manage your care, that's, you know, in the best way that's right for you or your business, Brian Sullivan from NJ Wolf is certainly the person to talk to. Brian, any thoughts and you know that you are dying to get in before we wrap up? Yeah, I, I, I would, Cindy. There's a, 
Uh, I'm going to promise you this will be the last set of statistics I'll throw out. No, we love the statistics. Are you kidding? Uh, well, this this sort of drills down into real life stuff. Okay. Uh, and this this comes from the 15 years in the corporate world. You've got uh, uh, and you get a lot of useless information, but every now and then you come across a tidbit that actually is worthwhile. And this is one of them. Three out of four people in America never hit what in um, uh, nationally is an average deductible about $700. So 75% of the population is going to have very minimal annual expenses for the treatment of their health. Okay. Of the remaining 25%, 82% of them will hit the number that is referred to as the out-of-pocket max. In other words, they will totally blow through the numbers. They'll have ten to twenty, fifty, hundred thousand dollars worth of expenses. So when we're giving counsel and guidance to people in evaluating health plan, we tell them that the deductible is not necessarily unimportant but the number that's most important to really focus on is what's referred to as the out-of-pocket maximum. That's the number that you have to really budget for and focus on and say, worst-case scenario, what am I going to have to come up with? Most people are never going to hit the deductible. Very few people are going to be in the middle, but those that are going to have expenses are generally going to blow it out. And when you consider that one, one day in the hospital is going to average between ten dollars and $30,000, it's pretty easy to get there. Uh, now, if I take those statistics and I get down to a real-life example, there's a small business here in California, and these numbers, by the way, you can extrapolate out to a business that has uh, four or ten or twenty times as many employees. It's a, it's a very small business with four people on the plan. Um, with these four people on the plan, uh, they've got a very traditional, typical program that's got a $40 copay, it's got a deductible of 750 bucks, and their maximum out-of-pocket expense, if something really goes wrong, is $4,500. For that expense or for that set of benefits, their cost is uh, a little bit in excess of $2,800. So that's, you know, that's a lot of money. Um, to switch them to a different type of plan where you, you – uh, uh, the, the the newest trend, what we're doing with, frankly, a lot of our clients uh, and future clients uh, are what are referred to as health savings accounts or HSAs. And you mix an HSA, a health savings account, with a high deductible plan. Uh, and the one that uh, uh, we tend to gravitate toward is one that has a $3,000 deductible, uh, but that's also the out-of-pocket. So your deductible is the same. It's, it's the amount you budget for. So, again, going back to statistics, most people aren't going to hit the deductible of those that do. That's the number you have to budget for. And uh, the cost for the premium for that plan is $1,600 for those four people. So if you do the math for just a second, on plan A, worst-case scenario is $4,500. Plan B, worst-case scenario is $3,000. Premium for plan A is $2,800. Premium for plan B is $1,600. Four people on the plan, that's a difference of $1,200 divided by four, $300. Multiply that out, it's over $3,000 per person per year in savings. You have a deductible of $3,000. You've got savings of $3,000. You've essentially funded your medical expenses for the year. Right, the, right. The reason why this works and why the other system doesn't work is that now all of a sudden we've turned the tables and people are playing with their own money. 
And particularly when you have a vehicle like a health savings account, you can actually fund those expenses with pre-tax dollars. So in today's world, most people, they have to earn a dollar thirty or a dollar fifty to pay a dollar in health care expenses. With a health savings account, you earn a dollar to pay a dollar. Uh, and a with lot the money more you sense, save, doesn't it? I'm sorry? It makes a lot more dollars and cents. <laughs> huge, huge. And the money you save in premium is will essentially go to pay your liability. And the beauty of it is, now listen, I have nothing against insurance companies. I have a lot of friends that work for them, and I used to do it myself. But I'm much more in favor of paying myself than paying the insurance company. And if I have a chance to end up the year with uh, money in the bank uh, that is my money that will continue to grow on a tax-free basis, um, that's a pretty good equation. And that example does not play out for everybody, but it's pretty common. Um, I would tell you that uh, three out of four or more of the businesses that we talk to, uh, we can find a scenario like this that will benefit them in a way that you know, they've just generally not looked at before. Uh, well, I mean, you know, nobody, when people think about insurance, they just think about having to pay money. They don't think about the benefits. <laughs> it's funny, it is benefits, but they they just think about, particularly in this economy, what's going to come out of their pocket. Right. And, you know, it's that's what people are really struggling with today. I mean, I don't think that it was as prevalent before, you know, our economy, you know, sank. But, you know, now it's like, you know, $3,000 is a lot of money to people. Well, it is a lot of money, but again, if you've got, if you've saved the money that you didn't pay the insurance company and you've kept it in your own bank, then you already have the money to pay for those expenses. No, that's exactly right. So it's, you're actually, it's, it, it's a way that a person could manage that money more efficiently. Oh, it's, it's tremendously more efficient. And again, it's you know, nothing against the insurance companies, but why give it to them? and still have a higher liability in a worst-case scenario than you would if you held on to the money yourself. And you, uh, I mean, I, I can tell you this, and the laws of supply and demand are true. If you look at, uh, drive down any freeway in L.A., and you're going to see ads for, or in the radio, you're going to hear ads for LASIK surgery, lap band procedures, uh, all kinds of particular drugs, and those, those health care services all have one thing in common. They're not paid for by insurance. So all of a sudden you have laws of supply and demand come into play. If, if uh, uh, everyone in America were on a high-deductible plan and had their own money that they've saved by not paying it in premium in a health savings account, you would overnight see specials on mammograms, pap smears. You'd see specials for knee surgeries. It would, be, uh, it would, it would change the way the health care delivery is, is uh, uh is managed. And probably for the best because we all know that all of these kinds of alternative surgeries like lap bands and, you know, liposuctions probably are not the most healthy things for individuals in the long term anyway. So, and that's exactly why they're not covered. <laughs> um, that is, uh, that, well, there, you know, the term that's used in most insurance contracts is medically necessary. Um, and there's, there's, a, there's a lot of debate that goes on on procedures like that. You know, my... Uh, my comments have less to do with the sort of the the moral side of it or anything else, more so than just the whole economics. Oh, of, I think that uh, I think that's true. And listen, we're at the end of our show, and I want to tell you that you have given great employee benefits advice in terms of thinking about H- HSAs as being the practical thing to do. Um, again, there is no person that I have met in this industry that is more knowledgeable 
about health statistics and health and the business model of insurance than you are, Brian Sullivan. So I want to thank you so much for taking the hour to sharing with my listeners everything you know about healthcare, and I think that it gives a lot of perspective to what's going on politically today and that, you know, the insurance industry really just is a business that, um, you know, really is trying to find ways to help individuals and to, you know, help companies, and it sounds to me like you are really doing your job in finding alternatives for having people looking into um things like HSAs, and again, I want to thank you so much for taking the hour. This show will be downloadable in the future on www.voiceamerica.com. Thank you again, Brian. Thanks so much, Cindy. Really enjoyed it. All right. Take care now. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to Stars of PR with Cindy R. Please come back next Thursday and every Thursday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time, 10 a.m. Eastern for more insider information on the world of public relations with Cindy Rakowitz on Stars of PR. See you next week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.